Let's bow with prayer. Father, uh, my uh, stomach feels to be in my throat, and my nerves are rattling, uh, but you're still in control. You're the great I am. I thank you, God, that uh, you love us so much and that you want to have a relationship with us so badly and that you pursue us like the hound of heaven that you are. Thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, I feel really blessed that uh, you uh, have those little notes in here and, and, and you're going to discover that you probably shouldn't have had it printed. I, uh, I um, pastor asked me if I would preach on the 14th, and I said yes. I hesitantly said yes. And he says, and you have to have an outline for us before the 4th. And I said, oh, okay. So I sit down, and I start doing my thing, and I put something together, and it was just an outline, and it was just a outline. It was nothing. And then my son called and said, do you want to join us at the Lake of the Ozarks for four days? And I said, okay, what's the days? And then I, and then my, and I said, well, then we might as well, if we're going to go all the way to the Lake of Ozarks, we might as well stop and see my sister in Augusta, Kansas, and visit with her. And so I set the notes down. And I put her all in a bag, and I said, when I get to my sister's, I'll, I'll take some time, and I'll get that. Well, we played sequence every night. And we got so involved in sequence that we forgot, or I forgot to pick up the notes. And then we went to the Lake of the Ozarks, and it was a great time fishing and riding and playing and being with my great-grandson and with my great-granddaughter. And you know what? Thursday morning... We drove all the way back from Augusta, Kansas, and Friday morning I picked up the notes, and well, here I am. <laughs> I'm a product of the spiritual renewal movement of the early 70s, and God called me into ministry back in 1974, and, um, and it's been a delightful journey. I, I, I thought it was really great that uh, the song that was selected, I, the Holy Spirit puts things together in ways that we don't always understand, and, and, and we're grateful for them. But the great I am that we just sang. Jesus, in the Gospel of John, and, and John records several times messages that Jesus says. He says, I am the bread of life. You remember? And he says, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to me except through the Father. You, you, you're all on. So you have these I am messages, and they are powerful messages. But one of the greatest messages is, is a message that Jesus says in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so I asked the question that's been lingering and wandering in my mind is, is there a right path? Is there, the right, is there just truly a right path to God? And I don't know about you because 
I don't know where all of your journeys have been and where you've been coming from in your journeys, but I've lived in this turbulent time from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and now I'm in the 21st century, and, and, and things are changing so rapidly, and, and everybody keeps telling me that there's more than one way to God. There's more than one way to get there. And I have been hearing that message from the late 70s, and I'm still hearing it. And the sad thing about it, there are thousands of people who believe that. And so they're so screwed up in their minds, their minds are so messed up, they're, they're, fine, they're seeking everywhere way to get to the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, there's only one way. Amen? And, and that way is through the Father, through Jesus. You have to have Jesus in your life. And we, we talked about Jesus in our song, having mercy and, and grace, and, and I, I am just I'm thrilled about that. But there is a right path. And the first step to the right path, we're, we're told, is, is to have a, have a to respond to the invitation that God gives to us to believe in Jesus and to believe that He is the one and only begotten Son. Amen? And then the second step would be to confess our sins and ask Him into our lives. And I, I, I don't know about you, but that's kind of been the, my journey. And, and I don't know about you, but I also know that in my journey, I did that a long time ago. But I didn't always walk the right path. I don't, I don't know whether any of you took any detours in your lives, but I know that I took a few detours. I made a lot of mistakes, and, and, uh, and I'm not proud of them. But what I do know is that I have a merciful God who never gives up and who gives everybody a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth. He gives chances. I mean, he... And, and if you haven't learned that message yet, then you haven't been reading the Bible. I mean, if you, if you take seriously reading the entire Bible, the entire Bible tells us that the children of Israel just kept blowing it. And, and when they finally had this awareness, and, and, and in my journey, it was like a two-by-four. You know, it was like, it's like um, I had this life experience. I had been out bucking bales of hay at a farm in, in, in Kansas while I was going to seminary, and, and we had filled up this big truck, and it was so hot, it was about 104 degrees. And I said, I, I think I'm going to ride on the top of the truck. I'm just going to ride up there on the bales and let the air blow through my hair. And it'll clear my mind. And as we're going down the highway, the back roads, I've got my head down like this. And all of a sudden, crack! And there was this big limb. And I'm not kidding, it was probably that big. And it just glanced the top of my head and knocked me for a loop, and I, re I woke, kind of didn't pass out, but I walked over, and I, I, I reached down, and I took my hand down to get Bob Glenn's attention, and I had blood flowing. And um, it, was a, it was a moment. But I have to tell you, it, it's, it's, it's in those moments 
that sometimes that's what it takes for God to get our attention. To get our attention to say there's more than studying in a seminary. It's more than intellectual ascent. It's more than education. It's, it's a journey. It's a walk. And, and I, I just, you know, as I, as I began to, to deal with this message on, on Friday and, and more on, on the weekend, I, I just kept thinking there's a right path. It's a path that Jesus gave us. He, he tells us, you got to come to me to get to the Father. But he says something in John 17 that just uh, that really makes it very clear of what the Christian faith is really all about. In John 17, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's just it's before they take him away. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, in the very first first chapters, and I'm reading from I'm just reading from. I, I don't remember whether I've got the message or whether I have the um, NIV, but in John 17, 3, it says, Jesus declares in his prayer in Gethsemane what Christianity is all about. Father, it is time, he says, display the bright splendor of your son so the son in turn may show your bright splendor. You put him in charge of everything human so he might give real and eternal life to all in his charge. He gives real and eternal, real and eternal life to all in his charge. That's, that's, that's not a fan of Jesus. That's a follower of Jesus. You got that? It's, it's not someone who just, oh yeah, he's, it's Jesus. It's, it's not just someone who cheers him on occasionally. It's someone who has a real relationship. You need to have that and you need to know that because that is what takes us on the right path. And it helps us in our life. And he goes on to say in his prayer, he says, and this is real and eternal life can't say this loud enough. And this is real and eternal life. This is what Jesus is saying. That they know you, the one and only true God. That they know you, Yahweh, the great I Am. That's the most important thing. Jesus says, that's why I came. I came so that you, you sent me so that all these that you've given me might know the one true God. He says it very clearly. He says, and that they know you and the only true, one and only true God and Jesus whom you sent. This is the journey. This is the journey and this is the path that we must be traveling. We need to continue to seek God with all our heart, mind, body, and soul. It's not an easy journey. It's, it's very, very difficult. Christianity is about knowing God. In 1974, God called me into, into youth ministry. I was at Central Christian Church in Pueblo. I began working under Charles Whitmer, who was a, uh, my mentor. And I, I, I loved Charles, and I loved the church, and I loved working with the youth. 
1976, I became a licensed pastor in Hunter, Oklahoma. I went to seminary and, and, and I was ordained in 1980. And, and during that time, a lot of things happened. But in the 90s, there were a lot of great things were happening with the Promise Keepers. Anybody know about the Promise Keepers? Great movement. I, 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 was, I was a part of that. I got involved in that. And in 1996, in February the 12th, I flew with a bunch of brothers in Christ who were pastors. Got on a plane in, in Denver, flew to Atlanta, Georgia, and attended a conference where, over, where nearly 40,000 pastors went to the Atlanta Dome and worshipped. And I mean worshipped and had a relationship and were challenged over and over about renewal, about breaking down barriers, breaking down walls, breaking down problems, opening the churches up, making sure that people didn't feel isolated or rejected. And I was there. And I, I, I heard some of the greatest messages, but one of the, one of the great things... The, the the praise band introduced me to a song that Mark Pendergrass wrote. And it, it kind of goes like this. And I, I'm not going to sing the whole thing, but I'm going to sing a little bit. And forgive me. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. And that, that course has another two lines, and it's basically the same song, but it says the greatest thing in all my life is loving you. And you repeat that, and then it's the greatest thing in all my life is serving you. And I, and I was just moved by that song in, in so many different ways and by the messages. But it reminded me of, of one thing, knowing God. And that it's, that, that it's the journey that, that we're all on, that we need to know God more. It isn't just, and, and I, I know that uh, Kyle Eidelman came out a few years back and he, he presented a book called Not a Fan. Anybody familiar with that book? And it, it's a great read. It's a great read. It's a great challenge. If you haven't read it, go down and buy it. It's worth it. it might, you might even be able to get it for $5 now. It, it, it's been around a while. So it's a great read. It's a great challenge. But you, you got to know God. It's not, it's not, it's not being a fan of God. I, uh, I, in, in, in 1992... I went to an Emmaus walk, and it changed my life. And it, it, a lot of things changes my life. And, and I'm talking about, you remember, I, I started ministry in 1974. Now, I just told you in 1992, I went to Emmaus walk, it changed my life. I went to a pastor's conference in 1996, it changed my life. The interesting thing is, if I were to go back and check a box of things, I would discover that, about every three to five years, God was changing my life. I was having an experience. I was having a moment with God. Didn't know it at the time. Didn't recognize that God was really wanting to have my attention. Didn't realize that, that he was trying to get something more pounded into my head. But I, what I did learn that 
over a period of time, things begin to unfold. And it was about knowing God. And and I don't know about you, but are you are you familiar with Proverbs three? Proverbs three. One of the favorite, one of my favorite scriptures, of course, is trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean on unto your own understanding. But in everything, acknowledge Him. And, and, he, and I, let me just read it to you. This this is my little head thing of it. But I'm reading from, and I, I love the um, the guys in the Berean class know that I love the message. And and Gene Peterson in his translation in the message, he, he says, don't lose your grip on love and loyalty. This is three and four, and I'm going to dip, get down to five and six here. Don't lose your grip on love and loyalty. Tie them around your neck, carve their initials on your heart, enter, enter, earn a reputation for living well in God's eyes and the eyes of the people. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. This is, this is the scripture. Trust God with the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. He will, as the NIV says, he will make your paths straight. God's in the business of keeping us going in the right direction. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, we can, we can use those words interchangeably because we have a God three in one. Don't, I don't understand it. I, I'm not sure that Pastor Scott or Pastor Simon or Pastor Elijah would, could say, well, let me, let me explain all three of them to you. I just know that God is God, the creator. I, I, he's, um, he's omniscient, unknown. He's omnipresent. Jesus is the son. And guess what? I think he's all-knowing, all-present. He's with us. Every, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit if, if you're reading the Gospel of John, the Holy Spirit is a gift that God gives you to ensure that you stay on track, to help you make the journey. But some of us, some of us, I don't know about you, but uh, some of us kind of bind the Holy Spirit. He walks, he comes in and we decide to we put him in the closet. Or, or we, we assign him one room to clean. We don't want him cleaning the whole house. Oh, none of you ever did that. Well, I guess that was my journey. I, 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 I just knew that the greatest thing was to have a relationship with him. And I had to trust the Lord to know him. And, and trusting God is, is not an easy thing. It, it's not an easy thing. But it's the only way to have a relationship with God. It's the only way that you can really grow in, in what he's calling you to become is to trust. And that, that trust is, is, is relational. And, and Christianity is relational. It's not re religiosity. It's a relationship. It's a relationship that you have with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's the relationship that you have with the three in one. It's not what it's not what uh, my brother back there that we spent some time. Hank and I spent some time in, in Central High School together. Uh, it, it's not uh, Brother Delbert who who I met playing 
in a Bible study over here at, at, at uh, Walking Stick. You know, it, it's not their walk. It's not their relationship. It's not. It's not. It, it's your relationship, and and it's all about your journey. That's about your walk, and and it begins by trusting God, and and it's accepting that He He does love us so much. You know, I could stand up here and and quote scripture to you, but. Um, that doesn't really help you because you really need to read it yourself. What does it say? Join me. Remember that? There's, there's this... Anybody watch the Broncos yesterday? Well, I don't know. I don't even, I don't even know whether they won or not, but did they win? Oh, good. So, um, but every once in a while in the end zone, you see this placard that says John 3.16. What, how does it go? For God? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. This is truly a memory verse that everybody knows, right? Let's say it like we know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And, and that's a great verse, but in the next verse it says that God sent His Son not to condemn the world, but to save it. He didn't, he didn't send Jesus to condemn us. He sent Jesus to bring us back on track, to bring us back to the right path, to bring us back to a relationship with Him. And Jesus made it very clear that that's what it's all about. So, how do we do that? How do, how do we how do we stay on track? How do we how do we get to know know God in in a, in, a, in a very personal way? How do we get to understand what's going on? I, I don't know about you. There have been events in my life that have shaken me and have shaken my faith. I mean, I mean, really shaken my faith. I had some events that that cost me uh, it, it cost me to to question and, and and I have been around a number of people in their journeys and and they've lost loved ones they struggled with marriage problems they dealt with all kinds of issues they lost a child uh, they had a miscarriage they had all kinds of things and sometimes some of them became so bitter that they moved away from God. I, I am so thankful that we spent some time in the, in, the, in the book of Ruth, Pastor Scott and Pastor Simon bringing us memories that, that we, have a re, we have a redeemer kinsman, a kinsman who, who redeems us and who brings us back. And, and, and I re, I'm reminded that there was one particular sentence that Pastor Scott said that just just really um, caused me to, to just kind of write it down. And I don't know whether you wrote it down, but it was this sentence, Pastor. God is at work in all the events in our lives. God is at work in all the events in our lives. 
and I, I, if you haven't written that down, I think you should write that down. That, that's worth pondering. That's worth dealing with. And, and because in relationships, there are struggles. In relationships, there are distractions. In relationships, there are all kinds of issues that blind us. One person told me it was like driving down the highway towards Pueblo West and seeing a sign that says, Detour Next Exit. Well, that's kind of what happens when, when you're involved in, in, in a relationship with God because sometimes there are distractions, there are deaths, there are bursts, there's all kinds of activities, there are events, struggles. And they will, they will affect your relationship. But you need to remember that God is always in the event with you. He didn't leave you. He's with you. What we, we discovered about Naomi, uh, that she wanted to be called bitter, right? Any life event in your journey cause you to be bitter? Yeah? I can raise my hand. I, 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 was, I, I could say I was like Naomi. But God's constant love and God's constant presence and God's holy word kept drawing me back and bringing me out of that darkness. And, and I don't know about you, but have you all had any detours in your life that were unexpected? We could be like Naomi, bitter, or we can realize that just as Naomi discovered, there was hope through the journey because God had never left her alone. There, God never leaves any of us alone. He's constantly making us aware of His presence. Well, I ask the question, how do we stay on track? How do, how do we stay on track? And, and, and how, do you, how do you know that God is involved and wants to be involved more and more in your life? And how do you do that? And, and I guess... For me, it, it comes from, from an understanding that it's a journey, and it takes work. My sleeves are rolled up because it, 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 it's work. It, it means that you have to take, and, and get, take it seriously. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, th verse 13 and, and through um, chapter 2, verse 3. And I'm just going to read this, and I'm going to read it to you from, from the message. I, I, I hope that you hear it clearly, but do me a favor. In your own Bible, read it. If you have it with you, take it and read it. If you don't have the message, that's okay. Just read what it says, because this is 
the work that's needed. So, so Peter is writing this letter and he says, he's telling the, the children who get this letter that they really have a God who loves them, who cares about them. And he tells them, be holy. He writes, so roll up your sleeves, put your mind in gear, be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Well, I don't know about you, but for me, that's, that's, that's eternal life. To me, that's, that's, that's going home to glory. But how does that happen today? Well, it happens every day. Because when you're living in the presence of God, you're living in His glory. You're walking with Him. And you have eternal life. And it doesn't, it doesn't end when you die. It ends when you die to self and become a follower of Jesus. Eternal life is something that starts in that journey. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil, doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better than you do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life. A life energetic and blazing with holiness, God said. I am holy. You be holy. You call out to God for help, and he helps. He's a good father that way. But don't forget, he also a responsible father and won't let you get by with sloppy living. Your life is, is a journey. You must travel with a deep consciousness of God. It costs God plenty to get you out of that dead-end, empty-headed life you grew up in. He paid it with Christ's sacred blood. You know, he died like an unblemished, sacrificial lamb. And this was no afterthought, even though it has only lately, at the end of the ages, become public knowledge. God always knew he was going to do this for you. It's because of this sacrifice, Messiah, whom God then raised from the dead and glorified that you trust God, that you know you have a future in God. Now that you've cleaned up your lives by following the truth, love one another as if, you, if your lives depended on it. Your new life is not like your old life. Your old birth came from mortal sperm. Your new birth comes from God's living word. Just think, a life conceived by God himself. That's why the prophet said, the old life is a grass life. Its beauty as short-lived as wildflowers. Grass dries up, flowers droop. God's word goes on and on forever. This is the word that conceived the new life in you. So clean house, make a clean sweep of malice and pretense, envy and hurtful talk. You've had a taste of God, now like an infant, at the breast, drink deep of God's pure kindness, and then you'll grow up mature and whole in God. It's a long, long scripture. It's a long reading. But it's worth every moment. Reading God's word is feeding the soul. Reading God's word is keeping you in path, on the right path. In Psalms 119, and I'm getting kind of close to closing. I'm sure you're probably wondering if he's going to close. 
But in Psalms 119, in verse 9, and, and Psalms 119 is the longest psalm in the Psalms. But it is a, it is a great, great study. It is a great read because it really can help you keep your walk strong and steady because it reminds you. In verse 9 it says, How can a young person live a clean life? In the NIV it reads, How can a young man keep his way pure? Good question. And the answer in the NIV says, by living according to your word, I seek you with all my heart. I do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me with your decrees. And throughout the entire Psalm 119, there is a constant reminder of knowing God's word. Spending time with God. Spending time in a relationship with Him. It's the most vital thing that you can do. It's the most important thing that you can do. Now, I'm going to get real for just a second. Your two are spouses. She doesn't have a relationship like you. And you don't have a relationship like her. So don't judge one another based on your journey. Because your journey is your journey and his journey is his journey. And, and that's the way it is. Oh, I could have done that to Roger and Kathy and I could have done it to Susan and I could go through this whole... It could, it, you, don't judge everybody by their journey or what they're telling you, or what their experience is, you have to have this for yourself. God's going God, to... It, it's not something that isn't personal. Your relationship with God, knowing God, is a personal thing. And, and you can't base it on what your child has, or what your daughter has, or what your son has, or what your wife or husband has. It's, it's what's between you and God. The scripture reminds us that you reflect Jesus. And if we're really reflecting Jesus in the world today, I hear pastors say this many times. I've heard lay people give this in messages. But you may be the only Bible someone reads. It's not necessarily the words you speak, but it's the actions that you share. Faith in God is not passive. It's active. It's not a, oh yeah, I have faith. No, it, it's a roll up the sleeves and get busy and grow in your faith. No, God. In Psalms 119, and I'm just I'm reading, I'm going to read this from, from the NIV. It says, Blameless are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and keep him with all their heart. 
and they do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees and do not utterly forsake me. Keeping on the right path is making sure you're on the right path. And that right path is knowing Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Staying on the right path requires perseverance, determination. It requires effort. Again, it's not passive. It's active. Your faith will be challenged. Your faith will have difficult moments. Your faith will be a struggle. But remember, God is with you all the time. A number of years ago, I'm closing with this one. A number of years ago, there was a story about a, a priest that was taking an airplane ride for the very first time. And uh, he happened to fly economy. And so he was in the back of the plane, and he was sitting there. And the plane was full, and, and a young lady was seated next to him. And as they were uh, flying, and, and he had his collar on, and he was sitting there, and he's on the plane for the first time in his life, and he's, he's there, and he's hearing the engines roar, and he's, and he's getting ready to take off. And, and the young lady sitting calmly beside him notices that he is not only holding on to the handrails on the side of his seat, but that his knuckles are beginning to turn white. And it's just, he's just tense. And, and, and she says, Father, Father, are you okay? He says, yeah. He says, well, aren't you a man of faith? And he says, yeah. Then what's your problem? And he says, he says if you know the scripture, it says, lo, I will be with you always. You'll get it. Think about it. In high times and low times, God is faithful. Be sure you're on the right path. Know God. The Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He's all you need for your journey. Amen. Father God, we, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunities you give us. We pray we continue to be faithful in everything we can do and be. Bless us, O oh God. Be with us throughout this day and throughout the coming week.
We ask this in Jesus' name.